hallelujah. Victory. Victory. That's what you have inside of you. That's who you have inside of you. Victory. You're an overcomer. Overcomer. That means something gets in front of you. You come over it. You go right over it. You're more than a conqueror. You're a winner. Yes, you are. Ah, we should act like it. We should talk like it. All the time. Never anything else. What the Lord said, you know, I got a little thing that sits on my desk. I've had it for, I don't know, 20 something years. One word, just as one word. Always. With an exclamation point. I've slapped the devil, whipped the devil with that one word too many times to talk about. What do you mean? Second Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I found out a long time ago, always means always. It means every time. It means if I won't quit, I win this one too. And next week, what happens? Always is always. I win that too. And next year, if something comes up bigger than I'd ever seen before, I win that too. Because always is always. Always causes me to triumph. Said out loud, I'm a winner. I'm an overcomer. I got the Spirit of God. The greater one. The victory. Living inside me. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Well, turn around and look at somebody and say, that's right. That's right. And you can be seated. <laughs> Woo, I'm already having fun. How about y'all? Huh? We so appreciate the Lord and your pastors and you for having us this morning. Count it a privilege and an honor. And I don't believe that we're here and you're here by accident, but that the Lord is ordering our steps, all of us. Amen. We're all here together with the Lord by divine appointment. And he's here, and we're here on kingdom business. So let's get to business. Amen. Uh, would you turn to Second Corinthians? Is that good? <laughs> yeah. Second Corinthians. It is good. The fourth chapter. And then First John, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 John 5, we're all believing God together this morning. Something I have on my heart, had it for a few days now, and it has meant a lot to me over the years, and I'm believing it'll help everyone else here today. I'll get stirred up about it some more. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the Spirit of God through Brother Paul is saying in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, he said, we are troubled on every side. Now, if that would have been, you know, some folks writing today, 
Some churches would have wrote him back and said, now, Brother Paul, quit making that bad confession. (laughs) Don't be saying that. Well, no, it's not a matter of bad confession. That's what it was. Trouble. See, denying what is is not faith. You know, faith is not calling things that are as though they are not. Right? What is faith? Romans 4 talks about calling those things that are not. Somebody say, well, same thing. No, no, it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. For instance, you know, you got pain in your body. And some people, you know, a misunderstanding of faith, they go around, pace the floor half the night going, I have no pain. I have no, ooh. I, no, no, I have no pain. I have no pain. They go to the doctor. And he pokes and prods them and he goes, does that hurt? And they go, ah, uh, no, I have no pain. In Jesus' name, have no pain. They're behind on their bills. Bill collector calls. When are you going to pay me? And they go, I have no bills in Jesus' name. <laughs> and that gives the rest of us a bad name. It's a, because that's not faith. The Bible didn't teach you to do that. Besides that, think about this. You're pacing the floor going, I have no pain. I have no pain. I have no who? Pain. I have no pain. What are you hearing? You're hearing about pain. Pain, pain, pain. You're meditating pain. You're going to become more aware of pain. No, if you're hurting, if your health is not like it should be, what is not? Healing. Health. Strength, soundness, and the Bible told you to call what is not as though it is. So instead of denying the pain, somebody say, you hurting? You go, yeah, but I call my body healed in Jesus' name. You got bills? Yeah, but I call them all paid in Jesus' name. See, they're not paid, but I call them paid. That's what faith is. And so he's not, you know, this is not a lack of faith. I mean, this is it's through the Holy Ghost, through this man, we learned most of what we learned about faith. He knows what faith is, right? But he says, trouble, we got it on every side. Now, here's where the faith comes in. Yet, everybody say yet. Yeah. Yet. Got trouble? Yeah. On every side. Yet, not distressed over it. Can you have problems all around and yet not be distressed over them? Now that's the faith walk. Living by faith does not assure that you never have any difficulties or challenges or problems or trials. No, no, whoever said that didn't know what they're talking about. But living by faith means that no matter what's going on, it does not shake you. It does not rattle you. I like what Paul said in Acts. He said, none of these things move me. Don't you like that? There's been times in my life, I remember a number of years ago, some phone call came and it was a problem. Another phone call came, it was another problem. About an hour later, here's another call. Another problem. Then the office said, we don't have this and we need this. And then somebody said, well, we need this. We've got to have this by tomorrow. And then we've got to have this. And I mean, it was about 20 things there in a row. And by the time I got to the house, all of this was trying to work on my head and on my heart. I just sat down in the middle of the floor, just plopped down and said, none of these things move me. 
No, now you felt like it, but when you said that, strength would begin to come up in your spirit. None of these said out loud. None of these things move me. Yeah, that helped you right there, I can tell you. None of these things. That's what faith is. He said, we got trouble all around. He said, yet we're not distressed. He went on to say, we're perplexed. Anybody know what perplexed is? It's kind of like the cartoon figure that has the caption over their head and just a big question mark. And you're like, what? (laughs) Something happened and you're going, where did that come from? What's going on? Perplexed, but, everybody say but, but not in despair. Not down over it. Do you have to be down because you don't understand something? See, the devil is a big one on asking questions. You ever notice that? He'll come and he'll, he plays and prays on ignorance. Darkness is where he operates. And so he will uh, come and ask you, well, why did this happen? And you'll go, I don't know. He'll go, that's right, you don't know. And what about this? What about what happened to them? Do you understand that? You go, uh-uh. No, you don't. And what about this? Do you understand that? No. And if you follow him down that path, you'll get used to saying, I don't know. That's one of his favorite phrases. I don't know. I don't know. Well, then, you know, if you don't know that, then what about this? Do you know this? And you go, I, no, I don't know. And how come this? Why did that happen? How come this didn't happen? You go, I don't know. And eventually he wants to get you to the place where is it the will of God for you to have it? And you go, well, I, I don't know. And if you listen to him long enough, are you, are, do, you, do you really, really know that you're saved? I, I don't know. What's your name? I, <laughs> I thought I knew, but you see what I'm saying? He wants to get you in that arena of wavering and second-guessing everything. And when you do, you have no stability, you have no strength, no faith. You don't have to know everything. You stand on what you know. Hmm? Stand on what you know. Come back, you know, uh, the enemy tried to play that with Jesus. Through the religious leaders of his day, you know, they came and said, uh, by what authority? Do you do what you do? You came in here and pitched over these tables. Who gave you this authority? And he said, uh, I got a question for you. Oh, I like it. (laughs) It's the wisdom of God. You don't have to play by the devil's rules. You can change your rules on him in the middle of the game. There's nothing he can do about it. Nothing. He says, what about what happened? Do you understand that? You know, what about this? You go. I got a question for you. Now he'll go, no, 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 no. You got to answer my question first. You go, no, I don't. You ain't my Lord. You're nothing to me. I don't have to do a thing with you or for you. He said, I got a question for you. Baptism of John. Where did it come from? And you know, boy, that turned the tables around. Immediately, all the people were looking at him going, yeah. (laughs) What about that? And now they felt the people and they thought, "Uh uh-oh. This thing has turned in a split second on us. And they said, well, uh, uh, we can't tell. He said, well, I'm not telling you either. (laughs) Oh, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. I had the enemy 
one time messing with me about some stuff. This has been several years ago. And I don't mean I saw anything or heard anything, but these thoughts just come to your mind about what are you going to do? That's one of his favorite questions. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are, and if you're not smart, you'll listen to that all day and then you'll open your mouth and go, what am I going to do? And then I'm going to go, you don't know what you're going to do. What are you going to do? I don't know. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? And the Holy Ghost, thank God, he said, why don't you ask him what he's going to do? He said, you don't have any problems besides him. I thought, yeah. Got sassy then. I thought, yeah. You, you worried about me? Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. If I didn't get my healing, if I didn't get my money, if I died prematurely tomorrow, I'm saved. My name's on the book. Everything went wrong in this life. Worst case scenario, I'm dead tomorrow. I just step out of my body and go, wow, that's over. (laughs) And my angel says, you ready to go? And you go, yeah. (laughs) He said, let me take you by the Milky Way on the scenic route. Yeah, show me everything. Show me everything. (laughs) Go to check out my new mansion. I mean, that's worst case scenario. I said, you concerned about me? I said, what about you? You really got time to be concerned about me? I said, you know, people all over the world is finding out about Jesus. People all over the world getting saved and getting filled with the Spirit. Finding out they got authority over you. Finding out you've been stripped and brought to naught and under their feet. What you going to do? Church is spreading all over. What you going to do? And I read in the back of the book that the time for you is short. Tick tock, tick tock. What you gonna do? What you gonna, I read that soon and very soon a great big angel gonna come down with some chains and slap them on you and throw you in the pit. What you gonna do? <laughs> By then he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he don't want to hear that. <laughs> So don't play by the devil's rules. He said we are perplexed but not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Now in 1 John 5, if you're holding your place there, just flip over. 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Don't you like that? This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith. Now, I moved too quickly. I'm sorry. Hold your place here and go back to 2 Corinthians 4. Y'all listen so good, I got excited. (laughs) Left out one of my scriptures here. You'll see through what we've already read, he's talking about no matter what's going on, you're not distressed, you're not in despair, you're not forsaken, you're not destroyed. No matter what's going on in your life, it doesn't get you down. And we read in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 and 9. But if you skip down just a couple of verses to verse 13, he flowed right into this. 
2 Corinthians 4.13, he says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Notice that phrase though, we having the same what? Didn't you say knowledge of faith? He didn't just say the same understanding of faith. What did he say? Spirit of faith. And back up in those previous verses, you see that spirit of faith. Troubled on every side. Yet, not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but... Not destroyed. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. Right? That is the spirit of faith. Brother Hagin uh, used to say this numerous times, and I wrote it down. It stuck with me, stuck in my spirit. I believe it. That the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. And it talks about that in 1 John 5. What is the victory that overcomes the world? What is it? It's our faith. I want you to say that out loud with me. The spirit of faith faith is is the spirit of victory. Now let's turn that around. The opposite of that. What would the spirit of doubt be? The spirit of defeat. The spirit of failure. Right? Are we destined to victory? Or are we predestined to failure in some instances? No, we're not. Failure is not God ordained. Right? That's between the enemy's work and human failure. No. We're supposed to win. Again. And again. And always. Because to triumph. We're winners by nature. We're destined to win. And so if we have failure in our life, that's not the perfect will of God. But this spirit of faith is so much more discernible than so many people think. I know uh, some years ago we were in a meeting and uh, my wife Phyllis and myself are sitting there. And this fellow's a missionary to another continent. And uh, he spoke in about five minutes. And I poked her. I said, I like him. She said, you don't even know him. What do you mean? I said, I like him. He's got faith. What do you mean? You can tell it. You can hear it in the tone of the voice. You can see it in the countenance of the face. Can't you? The spirit of faith. People had asked him, because there had been some horrendous problems that had occurred in that, where he was at. And they'd ask him about it, and they wanted him to go on and on about it. He said, yeah, we had some of that, but. <laughs> then he'd go and tell what God did. Amen. That's the spirit of faith, which is the spirit of victory. Now, the enemy does not want you and I to operate in the spirit of faith. And he's always working to undermine this in our life. And the biggest thing he has to use is your flesh. Your flesh. My flesh. The nature of the flesh, the 
I use the word unregenerate because how many know that soon and very soon what has happened to your spirit is going to happen to your body? Hasn't happened yet. So the nature of this flesh that's been affected by the sin curse is selfish. Have you found that out? Everybody looking at me like, no. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Your flesh, my flesh, the nature is selfish. And all you got to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning and yield to how you feel. And you will be and you will say and you will do selfish, self-centered, self-serving stuff. I don't care if you've been born again. I don't care if you can quote half the Bible and pray in tongues. If you yield to how you feel, you're going to be selfish. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I keep under my body. That didn't say I did it one time and that was it. I keep it under. Right? If here's a man been caught up to heaven, got all this revelation, and he said, I got to keep on this thing. Every day. Right. Lest after I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, a reject, disapproved. So this selfishness is the big hook where the enemy is able to get people out of the spirit of faith into the spirit of doubt and defeat. And I'm going to show you, the Bible said we're not ignorant of his devices, right? So I'm going to show you one of the biggest ways, and it's not just about taking notes this morning, and it's not about thinking, boy, I wish somebody, you know, so-and-so, they need to hear this. They ought to be here this morning. Well, the Lord knew who was going to be here this morning. And I'm looking at you. Right? You're looking at me. We here. Right? So don't be trying to think about somebody else. And as we go through this, now this is the big one. Be open to the Holy Ghost for Him to show you this in yourself so that you can detect it in the beginning stages and shut it down before it gets started. Now, I want to give you two words. Everybody say two. Two words. One word is victor. Victor. Victor is the victorious one. Another word is victim. Victim. God has ordained you to be a victor. The spirit of faith is the spirit of the victor, victory. The devil wants you to embrace the concept of being a victim. He wants you to be a victim because victims are not victorious ones. Victims are defeated ones. And your nature of the flesh wants to yield to that. It wants to yield to that. And it wants to feel sorry for itself. And it wants people to feel sorry for it. I'm not talking about you, brother or sister. I'm talking about you. Right? Me. Your flesh, if you yield to it, your flesh will do that. Poke out your lip. Drag your feet. You want somebody to say, oh, baby, what's wrong with you? Come here. Come here. Bless your heart. Now, that might have worked on grandma, but that won't work on the Lord. The Lord is not moved. By you being pitiful. Now that's a real word from the Lord. I'm telling you. 
The Lord is not, I'm t- he's not moved by it. You can pile up and cry and pull the sheet over your head and go through five boxes of Kleenexes. And it will not move the Lord to help you at all. In fact, folks like you and me, it irritates him. It does. Because we know better. I said, we know better. Have you read in the gospel accounts and saw what angered the Lord the most? Unbelief and hardness of heart. I mean, it made him mad. And he's expressing the Father. The Father's not tolerant of this kind of stuff. Now, people that's not even saved or people that got saved yesterday, well, he's going to be merciful with babies. But folks like a lot of us, God's come through for you again and again and again and again and again for years. And then some little something come up this time and you're going to pile in the floor and pile in the bed, you know, and act pitiful. Well, it is a little humorous, but there's a very serious side to it. That's how you go down. You can fail doing that. You can go down. You can die doing that. You can ruin your marriage doing that. You can ruin your finances doing that. Now, everybody say victor or victim. See, which one are you? Let me tell you what a victim is. A victim, these are definitions now, is a person who gets the worst of every contest. We'd say comes up on the short end. Here are synonyms. A victim is an underdog, an unfortunate, and also ran, a wretch, a casualty. A fatality. A victim is an injured party. Now did you hear that? Who is the injured party? Who got hurt? And if you go. It was me. Then you've identified. And you've said I'm the victim. I'm the one that got hurt. Is there anything wrong with that? Boy y'all got quiet all at once. Now look, if we paint your picture and draw your name in the process of this, you just look straight ahead. And you go, amen, Brother Keith. Somebody needs to hear that. Come on, brother. And then if you need to, when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh, God, that was me. Uh, But you can be cool in here, just straight ahead. Amen, Brother Keith. (laughs) Everybody say injured party. If you identify with that moniker, you are not the victorious one. If you identify with being victimized, I am a victim, then you are not a conqueror. You are not a winner. When you, uh, let me finish giving you synonyms. He said injured party. Also said statistic. Another one said, sufferer. Sufferer. Oh, we've been through so much. Coming up on the rough side (laughs) of the mountain. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some of y'all know where I'm from now. <laughs> Doing my best to make it in. <laughs> Suffering. Ah, oh, it's so hard. I've had ministers tell me, oh, brother, nobody knows what it's like in the ministry. I guess they forgot I'm in the ministry. You know, they're telling me this ago. Oh, brother, nobody knows. It's just, ah, nobody appreciates what we go through. And I'm telling you, you could go into most churches and start preaching like that and get the folk up on their feet. I mean, they go, oh, yeah. Mm-mm. I mean, it's hard. Hard. And folk will go, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> well, is it? Is it hard? I remember Jesus. Remember him, you know? Jesus. Because see, when people get caught up in all this, they forget about him. They think they have in church, but they've left the Lord. They've left the Word. They've left the Holy Ghost. They're in their soul. They're not in their spirit. They're just soulical emotion and flesh. But I remember Jesus saying, Come unto me, all ye that working hard and loaded heavy, and I will add to your load because it's a hard way. But I help you to make it through somehow. No, 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 no. Come on, back to the Bible. Now, what did he say? You're heavy loaded. You're working hard. What did he say? I will give you I give you relief. I give you rest. He said, come learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, come on. Come on. Light and easy. Say it out loud. Light and easy. Say it again. Light and easy. One more time. Light and If you're working for the Lord, if you're doing what he told you to do, it's light And it's easy. If it's hard and it's heavy, you have left the things of the Lord. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Now the devil wants to make you his pack mule. The Lord's ordained you to be his racehorse. He wants you to cast aside everything that would weight you down and slow you down and run this race like the wind. But the devil, he wants to make you a pack mule. And he wants you to believe it's the Lord loading you like that. He loads you and loads you and loads you until you're like an old sway back mule with your belly almost dragging the ground. It's hard serving the Lord and, and working for... No, the Lord didn't load you like that. Mm-mm. What'd he say? Light. Come on, say it again now. Light, light and easy. Close your eyes. Say it like that. Light 
and ease. If I'm in the perfect will of God doing exactly what he told me to do, it is going to be light. And yeah, there's some things to do, but it's going to be easy because I'm graced. Right? Glory. And with that is the attitude of the victor, not the victim. If you are a sufferer, you're not more than a conqueror. If you're an injured party, you're not more than a conqueror. Now let's delve into some things because victim is a word that is used a lot in our society today. And the word abuse, right? Abuse. You hear, I mean, there's all kinds of abuse. Physical abuse. Mental abuse. Emotional abuse. Verbal abuse. list goes on. And don't misunderstand me. There are situations where people have abused people and hurt people. That's certainly bad and not right. But there's a whole lot of stuff that's called abuse that is not. People are just, they have a victim mentality. I mean, somebody looks at them crossways and they go, You abusing me. <laughs> and in today's society, people have no concept of correction or reproof, much less a rebuke. The Lord said this to me years ago. I'd never thought of it. He said, if I'd lived in your time, some people would have accused me of verbal abuse. Would they have? <laughs> I lost some folks right there. Didn't <laughs> well, just stay with me. See if it's true or not. You know, Peter and the disciples in the boat. And the storm comes. They see Jesus walking on the water. You remember that? Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. He said, come on. <laughs> he got out of the boat, walked on the water, began to go to Jesus. Got to looking at the wind and waves. Started sinking. Said, oh, help me. And Jesus got him. And what did Jesus say to him? Where's your faith? Why did you doubt? How many know sometimes Jesus corrected people? He looked at a group he had in one service one day. He said, you bunch of snakes. How are you going to miss hell? I mean, you comb the earth to make converts. And when you find one, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Am I quoting scripture or not? How many of a lot of folks today would go, whoo, whoo. He's abusing me. Peter, if he'd have been like a lot of folks, the next day he'd have been at his therapist's office. <laughs> and he'd have said... I've had it. I've had it. I mean, we've been there for him. We left everything. We left everything. And he needed something. I was there for him. And did anybody else get out of the boat? I don't think so. I didn't see nobody else coming out of the boat. 
I walked on the water. Me and Jesus. You know anybody else? I walked on the water. And did he say, good job, Peter? Did he say, what faith? He said, where's your faith? I've had it. I've had, I can't take this. I can't take this. But that is a victim mentality. Now listen to me, friends. Listen, listen. So many people want to talk about strong anointings. They want to talk about reaching their ultimate place in God. You will not reach it if you can't take some correction. And if you can't take a rebuke. Rebukes are not fun. Did you hear me? They're not fun. But sometimes you need it. Did you hear me? <laughs> when I was uh, eight, nine, ten years old, I used to get beat up at school. There was a kind of a feud going on between my family and another family. And it was just me and my little brother, three years younger, and I wasn't very big, of course. You know, what, eight, nine years old. And then there were seven of these other boys, and they were all much older and much bigger. So I got, you know, I come in from home, my lip busted, my nose busted. I mean, three of them would hold me down the back of the bus while the other two worked on me. <laughs> and my dad, he kept seeing me come in beat up. And he said, boy, we got to do something with you. So he put me in a school of martial arts. <laughs> and this was old school. We practiced concrete floors and no pads. And you couldn't lean up against the wall. You couldn't talk. I mean, it was very, very disciplined. And the instructor, he'd come by. He was trained by the great-great-grandson of the founder from Okinawa. Now, he was very, I mean, he was strict, strict, strict. And uh, they'd come by and they'd tell you, you know, correct that stance. Do this. Put your shoulders here. Do this. They'd tell you twice. And next time, you'd just feel a foot <laughs> as you hit the floor. Boom. And you're supposed to jump up and say, thank you, sir. <laughs> Why? Because they have corrected you because you were making some mistakes and you weren't learning through verbal instruction. So they were kind enough to give you something stronger. <laughs> and that was standard response. Thank you, sir. Why? Because they've corrected me and I needed some correction. Amen. But I understand we live in a world that doesn't think like that at all. Right. They think, oh, whew, they was abusing you, Brother Keith. No, they wasn't abusing me. Helped me. Yes. I said it helped me. Amen. A lot of stuff I learned there, I use on the devil all the time. Amen. Just basics of disciplining. Being, you know, not letting your flesh and your feelings rule you. I know one time I... I was fighting a boy that's much older than me, much bigger. He kicked me in the ribs, fractured a rib. Man, it hurt. <laughs> I went down like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> this guy was, he was a foot taller than me, and the instructor came to me and he said, uh, Don't show him your pain. I thought, How you do that? <laughs> I'm hurting, man. He said, If you do, it will, he said, You either quit 
and sit down. Or if you're going to fight, don't let him see that he hurt you because have you ever seen boxing? Somebody get an eye cut? What, what happens now? That is, it's like you painted a bullseye on that, right? The guy is going for that eye. He's going to try to close it. He knew if I'm holding that rib, that guy's going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the spot. And so I've learned in life, if the enemy is able to get something in on you, you know, I, I, later on I, I grew and developed. In fact, one time a guy hit me, hit me in the mouth. Man, he put everything he had into it. I mean, I couldn't see. I mean, you ever been hit in the face hard? Well, you can't see. I mean, but I, I just shook my head and I grinned. I said, is that all? Come on. And I, and I just saw the, now I didn't feel that way, but I saw the look in his face. He was like, that was my best shot, you know, and it discouraged him and he was scared and I was in good shape at that point. The enemy is that way. Even if he's able to get something in on you, you must not fall over to the side and go, oh, he hit me, oh, oh y'all pray for me, the devil's going to hurt my side, he hurt my side. I'm telling you, the devil will notify every demon within three counties of you about that spot in your life. What do you got to do? I mean, even if he got you good, busted your nose, you go... Is that it? Is that all you got? Let me tell you again. I got the greater one living inside of me. You are nothing beside of him. That's the spirit of victory. The falling on the side and crying and feeling sorry for yourself will cause you to lose. They hurt me. A sufferer. A victim, a casualty. The last synonym of victim is loser. Loser. If you're a victim, you're a loser. And see, notice the mentality of this. Uh, Why would you have a victim mentality? Victim mentality is helpless mentality. I'm helpless to do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. I'm helpless. Are you? Or does the greater one live inside you? If you're helpless, there's nothing you can do. People should feel sorry for you. When it comes to abuse, let's say you have been abused. Let's say you have legitimately, you've been hurt. I had a, a visiting some people one time and a little boy, I think he's about three years old. He came over to my chair. He wanted to show me something. And he pulled up his knee, and he had had an accident, and he scraped this knee up and cut it. His mom had put this nice bandage on it and doctored it, you know. But he wanted me to see the actual injury. And so he begins peeling off the bandage, and he took with it all the healing that had taken place in the last couple of days. And then that wasn't enough. He wanted me to see how deep it was. So he pulls it open so I can see And what does he want me to say? Oh, that's a bad place. Well, you know, I'm kind of laughing because he's doing all this. And I wanted to stop him, but he was too quick for me. And, and uh, while he was doing that, the Lord spoke to me and said, That's why hurt Christians don't heal. Amen. Yes. 
I thought, hmm, why? You take somebody. They were hurt when they were a child. They were hurt when they were a teenager. They've been saved 30 years since that time and still got an injury. Something's wrong. I said something's wrong. If you came in here today, you're going to show me, you know. You said, uh, man, I had a bad wreck on my bike and I hurt my knee. You said, I said, when was that? When I was eight. And how old are you now? Forty-five. What would we say? You better go to the doctor, right? Something's wrong with you. You should have been healed up a long time ago. Now, friend, listen, it makes no difference how you were hurt. Maybe you were sexually abused. Maybe you were physically abused. Maybe you were mentally and emotionally abused. Not just so-called, but you really were. Still, how many understand, you should not be have a victim mentality years later. And you shouldn't have these deep wounds in your life years later. Can God heal you or not? Can God heal of these kind of things? Can God heal your insides just like he can heal your outsides? Can he? He can. But you've got to stop pulling it open. You've got to stop showing people how badly you were injured. You've got to stop playing the victim. Are you with me now? You've got to believe God to pour in the oil and wine to that hurt. And you've got to bandage it up. And you've got to leave it alone. Let it heal. If somebody wants to talk to you about it, you go, uh-uh, I can't open that up. Why? Because it's healing up good. Right? Yeah, but we want you to lay down on the couch here. And we're going to delve into your past. And we want you to relive. No, no, no. The Lord's already poured in the oil. It's healing up good. Why do I want to pull it apart and set myself back? Do you hear now? No, no. And friend, if you do that. And there's certain things you just have to get to the place where you refuse to talk about. You just call yourself healed. Amen. No matter how you feel. And it won't be long. Those feelings will begin to lessen. Oh, are you listening now? Those hurts will begin to fade. And it's like an old bike injury you had back when you were eight years old. It just doesn't bother you. doesn't affect you at all now. Because your God is such a healer. Such a faithful, good, gracious God. And he's made you a winner. Said out loud, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Hallelujah. Whew, thank you, Lord. Go to Matthew 16, please. Well, how about Genesis first? <laughs> go to Genesis 42, then go to Matthew 16, please. I think it'll work better like this. Genesis 42. This is the spirit and the mentality of a victim. Jacob described it really well. Genesis 42. He'd lost Joseph. And then looked like he, he thought maybe 
They're going to take Benjamin. He might not see him again. And in Genesis 42, he made this statement. Genesis 42, 36. 42, 36. Jacob, their father, said to them, Me, have you bereaved of my children? Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And you take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. This is the mentality of a victim. Everything is going wrong. Everything's against me. Everybody's against me. Nobody believes in me. Nobody really cares about me. Nobody. Now, if you will start down that path, the devil will feed it to you all night and all day. It's the path of destruction. It's the path of death and defeat. All these things are against me. NIV says everything is against me. I think, you know, now all of us have yielded to some measure of this at different points in our life. But, friend, we should know better by now. And Christians so many times that know better. They know better. But they'll withdraw, pull away. It starts by something like People say, anything wrong? They go, no. Everything's okay. What do they want? They want to be petted. I said they want to be petted. No, it's okay. And then go in the next room and get mad because you don't come check on them. (laughs) When you're the one said everything was okay. So you're a liar. (laughs) It's just a fact. Somebody look you in the face and, and something is wrong and bothering you. And you say, oh no, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. You're a liar. Now if you don't want to talk about it, just say you don't want to talk about it. But don't stand there and go, oh, everything's fine. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> Remember, just straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> Amen, Brother Keith. <laughs> like I said, I, you know... Nobody's pointing fingers in here this morning. All of us have yielded to some of this at some point in our lives. But I think if people could see, people laying up in the bed, getting madder by the minute. You know, parents and grandparents. Well, I guess somebody could just lay up here and die. Nobody would ever come check on me. Got five kids and three grandkids. Not one call. Two weeks. I guess you could just lay up here and die. That is not okay. I don't care if it is grandma or grandpa. That is not okay. That is unbelief. And it is unthankfulness. 
It's some bad stuff, I'm telling you. It's being ungrateful. It's being unthankful for all the blessings of God in your life. Lay up there and dwell on this stuff until you act like, I got nothing to live for. Lord, I just wish you'd take me off. You lying? You lying? (laughs) Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about you. Yeah. That is an insult to everybody that's ever done anything for you. What about them? Everything they've ever said, everything they've ever done, you're acting like don't even exist. It's a slap in the face to everybody that's ever done anything for you to make such statements. Isn't it? It's a lie. I said it's a lie of the devil. And if people could see what they are laying up in the bed, fellowshipping with, they'd throw up for three days. And then they'd never do it again. Because they are some of the ugliest, stinkiest demons. The self-pity stuff. Self-pity. Feeling sorry for myself. He said, all these things are against me. Everything's against me. This mentality will prevent you from succeeding. This spirit of doubt and unbelief will hold you in a place of failure. And lead you to greater destruction. Because it's against the word of God. It's against faith. Nobody help me. Nobody do anything for me. I've had people sometimes come to me before. and you know, Nobody had helped me. And, and nobody had checked on me. And, and the Lord asked me when they were gone. He said, did you ever go to anybody like that and ask? I said, no. Now that you mention it. You don't have to. Well, they, they weren't there for me. I had a minister the other day. He was really whining. Because he had come up with this great project. And nobody jumped on the bandwagon. And he said, well, all these churches, why didn't they come help me? I said, well, who said they're supposed to? Well... It's a good project and all these churches, why won't they? I said, get your eyes off these people. Are they your source? All of us have to watch. Pastors, you can't get to go looking at your congregation. Why won't these people get in and help? Why won't they give? Why won't they do this? Get to looking at your employer or your supervisor. Why don't they acknowledge all my work? Why won't they give me that raise? Are they your source? Anytime you get your eyes on people, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. Oh, but it's freedom when you realize. There's no man my promoter. There's no man my provider. No man my prosperity, my success. I don't care. You know, like God told Joshua, no man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Because see, the devil will try to tell you they're standing between you and your blessing. That old person, that old so-and-so, that old heifer at work there. (laughs) I know in Alabama, y'all understand. Heifer. (laughs) She's why you hadn't got your promotion. She's why 
You still in this low pay? No, no, it ain't the heifer or the nobody. It's you talking like that, thinking like that, because you believe you're a victim. You believe I can't do anything about it. I'm helpless here, stuck in my low-paying job. I'm stuck in it. No, no, no. The Bible said, remember the Bible? The Bible said he takes people from the dunghill and he sets them with princes. I've had people come to me and say, now, Brother Key, you don't understand. I mean, you, you got money and, and you don't understand, you know. They came to the wrong boy. Because I grew up next door in Mississippi. Red mud between my toes. And I, you know, we didn't have an indoor bathroom. Till I was in high school, we never had a phone. We got married, lived in a 1969 Marriott mobile home with no insulation. They don't get that cold, you know, down here compared to up north. We got up one morning and uh, the water in the toilet was a chunk. <laughs> Froze solid. I said, I know it got cold last night. <laughs> Felt like a dog out in the yard, man. It was driving old beat up stuff, you know. I mean, we've never thought about going buying a new part. You welded it, you tied it together, right? <laughs> Duct tape. It's wonderful. It makes no difference where you're from, what gender you are, what color you are. What makes makes no difference when you know God. It might make difference with some people, but when you know God, it makes no difference in your life because He's bigger than all those things. But you cannot yield to the victim mentality. Or you'll stay right where you are. you got to look up. From being so broke, you gotta look up from hurting and pain. You gotta look up from feeling despair and why if you have to, you wipe your tears away. If you have to, you take some toothpicks and you prop up the corner <laughs> of your mouth and you say, I'm coming out of here. I am not staying in this place. God's bigger than all is. He's bringing me out. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Nothing can keep me down. Nothing can hold me down. I got victory living inside me. And I'm telling you, God will do He will move a million people if He has to. He will change economy. He'll change state law. He'll do whatever it takes to make it happen for you. How many believe that? It's a fact. But you can't you can't lay in the bed and cry and feel sorry for yourself and think God's going to get feeling sorry for you because you're so pitiful and go, oh, Gabriel, Michael, look how pitiful they are. Ain't that sad? <laughs> we got to, no, he is not, God, listen to me. God is not moved by needs. Mm-mm. If he was, miracles would just be popping all over there because there are needs all over the planet. He's not moved by needs. What's he moved by? Faith. 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 Go to Matthew and I'm thinking about getting ready to start (laughs) to close. Just thinking about it, I said. 
Matthew 16. Oh, thank you, Lord. Do you have anything to be thankful about? Oh. That's the spirit of faith. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, the enemy tried this on Jesus. It's one of his most successful weapons among humanity. Matthew 16. You know, previously, we were singing about it earlier. Verse 16, he had 15 and 16, he'd asked them, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus let him know that he got that by revelation from the Father God. Uh, he's yielding to the, the Holy Spirit, isn't he? When he said that. But I mean just a few verses later. Not long at all. Verse 21, Jesus began to show to his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him and said, be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. Now, in the margin of my Bible, it says, when it says, be it, be it far from you, Lord, it says, Greek, pity thyself. Pity thyself. What's he saying? Oh, no, no, no. No, you don't have to go through that. Oh, no. Pity yourself. you going through the scourging and the trial and the crucifixion. No, 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 no. Think about yourself. If he had her, we'd be lost. Oh, friends, listen now. We are his representatives in the earth. If we just think about ourselves, there are some other people that are going to be lost. Other people that are not going to have success in their lives. Sometimes we don't like to think about that, but people are watching us. They talk bad about us behind our back, and then they're secretly, they'll turn around and look at us and see if it's going to work or not. And if we fall and we fail and we wallow in self-pity, then they're not going to see what they need to see. And they're not going to get what they need to get from their association with us. There's more riding on this than even our personal victory. So much more. I know uh, we'd stood and believed the Lord and he was gracious to us, caused us to get a certain kind of car that I was believing for. This was 15 18 years ago. And I was uh, teaching at Rama, And uh, one of the students told me later he was from another country. And he was going through a lot of challenges. I see him sometimes. He's out there by my car. And about five years after he was at school, he told me. He said, did you ever wonder why I was out there by your car? And I said, not too much. And he said, uh, I knew the story of how that car came to you. And I knew... That if uh, God would give you that car, he'd give me my tuition money. So I'd just like to stand there and look at it. I knew he'd give me my rent money. I knew he'd get me through this. Right? Now, see, that might not seem like a big thing. Somebody said, well, what would it make an difference if I get this thing I'm believing for or not? It could make a lot more difference than you even know. People are watching us. They're looking at us. They're listening to us. 
And a lot of times it ain't true, but the devil will tell them, well, if they can't get it, then you can forget it. And that's a lie. But the enemy wants them to think that way. So what is the solution? You got to get it. I want a little bit more enthusiasm than that. What's the solution? You got to get it. You got to get your healing. You got to get your car. You got to get your house. You got to get your stuff. You got to get it. And you cannot feel sorry for yourself. You got to stay after it. Shout the victory. Thank God. Press on. And see it. See it come to pass. Let other people see it. Because the goodness of God, it turns people around, brings them to God, brings them to repentance. And they're going to see that in you. They need to see it in you. Oh, you'll be tempted now. I wouldn't stand here and tell you right. The devil will tempt you. He'll try to wear you out and wear you down. And people talk about you or, or people fail you or, or leave you. Or, there's all kind of things. I like the scripture in the Psalms. He said, though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. What if they left you? What if your friend left you? What if your dog ran off and left you? Everybody left you. God will give you a better dog. Won't he? And better friends. If you won't feel sorry for yourself. If you won't quit. Here, Peter, just a few verses earlier, he's yielding to the Holy Ghost. Who's he yielding to here? Is it possible to yield to the Holy Ghost in the morning and yield to the devil at lunchtime? Same person? It is. It is. He said, oh, no, no, now, pity yourself. Oh, what did Jesus say? Yeah. It is rough, ain't it? I'm not sure I want to go through with this. And boy, I mean, you just go that way a little bit, and nine demons will come up and put their arm around you and go, "Yeah, yeah. you don't want to do that." No. Who would expect you to do that? Besides that, who cares? Where were they for you when you needed somebody? And he'll give you a thousand reasons why you should feel sorry for yourself and not go through it. I mean, notice how strongly Jesus responded. Are you there? Read it. What, when this came up, pity yourself. What did Jesus say? You get behind me, Satan. I'm interested. You can't play with this. I don't care who it comes through. I don't care if it comes through your wife. I don't care if it comes through your husband or your children or your mama or your daddy or your best friend. You need to recognize the enemy. Trying to get you to feel sorry for yourself. Pity yourself. And I mean, don't you entertain it for a moment. What do you say? What do you say? That was real weak. (laughs) Now, has anybody know what I'm talking about? Has this come to you before? To feel sorry for yourself. Every one of us in here know what we know this. What do you do? You do not sit there in your little chair and think about it for three hours. What do you do? We ain't quite there, are we? Let's read the verse again real slow. This is not a trick question. 
The enemy's working on you. He's messing with you. Oh, it's bad. Why weren't they there for you? Why did they do that to you? Why did they say that about you? What did you ever do to them? This ain't right. It ain't right. If you listen to that, it won't be long. You'll open your mouth and you go, this ain't right. <laughs> See, where'd you get that? These thoughts are coming to you. This ain't right. They don't appreciate you over there. They don't acknowledge your gift. That's right. They don't acknowledge my gift. They don't appreciate you at all. They don't acknowledge. I know a pastor friend of mine, this years ago, he was at his, at his church. He'd, he built part of this church with his own hands. It was beautiful. These guys, him and his wife, they worked night and day. And he called up and he told one of the guys at RMAI, he said, uh, you know what all my people got together and gave me uh, and my wife for Christmas? He said, no. He said, a five by seven picture of Jesus. <laughs> the whole church got together and bought my wife and I a dime store five by seven Picture of Jesus. <laughs> he said, I'm leaving. He said, these people don't appreciate me. They don't care if we're here. He said, I'm leaving. We're going. So you got to get somebody to come up here and take this thing. Well, the fellow he's talking to had some wisdom. And he said, well, he said, now, five by seven. Huh? He said, well, he said, uh, uh, so you prayed about this. He said, well, not much. He said, uh, so the Lord, because I remember he knew the story. He said, I remember you telling me how it was supernatural, how the Lord led you guys up there and all the things he's done for you. So the Lord has now led you. He's released you and he's led you. He said, why? Uh, I don't know, but we're leaving. He said, you got to get somebody. Now, what is going on? Do you see this? Is this spirit? It's flesh. And then he said, well, we leave. He said, because they don't appreciate me. And the man said, it's good wisdom. He said, uh, so? They don't appreciate me. He said, so? Do they have to? Did the Lord tell you, go and minister to these people unless they fail to appreciate you properly? In which case you're immediately released? So people think, well, you, you know, if you don't treat me a certain way or you don't respond to me a certain way, then I don't have to keep going. The Lord never told you any such thing. He told you to keep going if people spit on you, if they slap you, if they despise you, if they persecute you. He told you, keep on, keep on, keeping on. Because love never fails. Faith can't be defeated. Well, they don't appreciate me. Who said they had to? Looks like I lost a few people right there. <laughs> Did the Lord said people had to appreciate you? No, he didn't. You should not be doing what you do as unto man. If you are, see, I mean, there's a lot of church, you know, I... I've seen it in church after church. A lot of folks, if you don't pump them up, if you don't acknowledge them, if you don't have them stand up and brag on them pretty regularly, they'll quit. 
Why? Because they're doing it unto you. They're doing it for, they want something. They're hirelings. They're not really giving it. They want some pay. They want acknowledgement. They want this or that. But when you're doing it unto the Lord, you'll keep going if nobody ever notices it. Or if somebody else gets the credit for what you did, you'll just smile because you know who's got the real books. You know who's really got the record. Amen. That's the one you're concerned about. And you'll just keep on, keeping on, and you cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome. Glory be to God. Go ahead, stand on your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Begin to thank God that you are a victorious one. I am a victorious one. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Overcomer cannot be defeated, cannot be conquered, cannot be held back, cannot be held down, because I won't yield to it. Glory to God. Come on, praise Him just a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you. Praise you. Would you close your eyes and pray this out loud? No matter how much you think it applies to you, everybody, pray it out loud. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you for loving me. I know. You will always love me. Always be there for me. So I am never alone. I'm never without support. Never without a friend. Never without love. Never without somebody that believes in me. Because you do. In any time or place. That I've yielded to self-pity. That I've played the victim. Yielded to unbelief. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you. Set a watch at the door of my mouth. And over my mind. And help me to see. The first inkling. Of such feelings and such thoughts, and I'll resist them and put them down and not yield to them because I am a conqueror in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray. Come on, praise Him a little bit more. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, faithful God, faithful God, hallelujah, praise you, Lord, thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.